are listening to Intersections with Phil Allen Jr., engaging the issues that matter at the intersection of race, culture, and theology. I have come to appreciate the power of stories, the power of each of our stories. My next guest, Audra Bryant, transparently shares her story that goes as far back as 18 months old. She is a woman who has overcome external and internal struggles and truly is an inspiration for all of us. She is a friend who I've known for 15 years or so, but I've actually learned more about her in this episode. She's a great vocalist, and you can check the show notes for where to find her music. She's a podcaster and author as well. Her book and podcast are both called I've Got Scars, Baby. Lean in and not only hear her story, but also hear her invitation to stop hiding and be seen. Audra Bryant, my friend from years, years, we got years <laughs> in, man. Yes, we do. Welcome to Intersections with Phil Allen Jr. Um, I'm so grateful to have you here. Um, I, I know a bit of your story, but I want to even learn more and I want the listeners to learn more about who you are, um, all that you've endured, your resiliency. Um, I, I want to hear, we want to hear the whole story and be inspired. Um, I think people will be inspired by this episode and your story. Um, but I want to start off as I do each week to give the listeners a chance to know who you are. Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, as much as you want to share. What was it like growing up in the city that you hail from, your passions, um, all that good stuff. How'd you end up in Los Angeles? All that good stuff. Ooh, okay. Well, uh, so I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan. Detroit. And Detroit in the house. What? <laughs> so, yes. Um, so I'm from Detroit. And I mean, I actually, I grew up in the theater, actually. Okay. Um, so I started writing songs at eight years old. And then by the time I was in ninth grade, I was in a youth theater group called Mosaic Youth Theater of Detroit. And so I used to write songs for the plays that we did. Uh, and so I've always been a creative. And so it kind of made sense, I guess, for me to make my way out to LA to, <laughs> to just kind of be a part of this, the scene in Los Angeles. Um, yeah, so it was, it's, it's, it's been a journey. So that's how I got out here. And from there, I, when I got to LA, I started interning at a record label for one of my favorite artists. And then I started working in TV production behind the scenes. And yeah, so that's been kind of my creative journey in a sense. Okay. And of course, I write my own songs and perform as well. But I was waiting for that's that. just a little bit. That's, I, you know, I, you I've done some some acting, some stand-up, the whole thing, you know. So yeah. let, let me let me pause and bring you back. You can't leave out the music. Now, that's where I know you from. That's, ah! that's what I know. You can't leave that part out. The vocals are, are tight. Um, yeah. You know, okay, so I have to share the story then. Um, we, was that the first time that we met? We're at church faithful central in the forum though in the forum mm -hmm. and you were sitting next to me and i was singing just singing my little heart out you were like uh when you gonna join the choir what's going on <laughs> 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 ah! 
that was so funny and I was like what do you mean and he was like join that choir and I was like okay and I I know yeah knowing me I, I said that and you probably looking at me like I was crazy but you did you, you were you were yeah you did after that um yeah but not even not even just in the choir your, your music you know yeah I have it on my on my iTunes list in my computer for years and I'll pop oh, it every once in a while it. and I'll pop it in or it'll come in rotation and I'm like yeah. oh that's Audrey right there yeah. yeah yeah it um music for me was always just very therapeutic it's it's um like I said I've always been a creative but it's it's just a way for me to be honest mm, I like um you know and because I just found that I couldn't lie in my music and and what I do creatively and so that actually is kind of where all of you know a lot of this starts with the work that I'm doing now is I wrote a song called Scars yep yeah and so that was actually uh the springboard into the work that I'm doing now um from my podcast to uh, speaking and, and things of that sort. So, and to my book and all of that. So, yeah. <laughs> so it would, that, that's, that's interesting because I love what you said about music is a way to be honest. Yeah. I'd never, and I think, I think we can apply that because when, when you said that, I said, well, poetry is a way for me poetry. to be honest, right? Absolutely. Uh, art is a way for us to be honest. And, yeah. and I wondered if your journey inspired the song and I'm glad you clarified that the song was kind of the springboard to this journey uh, that you've been on. Yeah, and uh, and just to be very clear, um, it was a 10 year gap for me to even, because I always thought, I said, oh, I always wanted to write a song about my scars, right? I actually said that mm -hmm. to myself, but it took me about 10 years to write it. Because, really? yo, Oh yeah. And, and it, it wasn't like a consistent, I'm trying every day to write it, but you know how you periodically like, okay, let me see where I am with things. And so I remember trying to write a song, write that song years ago. And when I started writing it, it was just sad. It was like, whoa, it's me. Lord, I got these scars. This is horrible. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I was just like, that does not feel right. Mm -hmm. You know, it didn't feel it didn't feel good. It didn't feel like the kind of song I wanted to write. It didn't feel did, right. Did it feel honest or no? Or not completely honest, I should say. No, not not really. It just it didn't it didn't settle in my spirit. That's the best way to say it. And it's not that I always try, try to write things with a little bow on it. Yeah. It's not about that. It's just that that just wasn't what I wanted to communicate for myself or for my life. And so when I started writing the Woe Was Me song, it didn't feel good. And so I just kind of, you know, I let it be. And really, when I finally did write the song, when I say I wrote it, I wrote it in about 15 minutes. Mm. It wasn't a long thing. It just came out and it felt right. And I believe that it felt right because I actually had gotten to a place of healing within myself mm. as it pertained to my scars. Yeah, yeah. And before when I was trying to write a, the song, it was just, I hadn't, I hadn't been settled about my scars. I hadn't fully accepted myself. And so it, it wasn't going to come through yeah. as, oh, yeah, I'm good. It was like, no, I'm not. 
it was it you know not that that's a bad yeah and it's not even that that's bad yeah that was yeah. still being honest but it just didn't feel right for me to write it yeah when i hear you say that i think about um i, I was thinking about that may have been the most important thing that happened mm -hmm. for you with the song and in your journey was to attempt and then realize this don't feel right. Yeah. Right. I wasn't all the way there. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't fully healed. Yeah. But that, that may have been the most important part of the process. And I think that's a lesson for, for a lot of us to learn is sometimes when you begin the, the, the healing journey, it's okay to step in and, and be like, nah, this ain't right. Like I'm not yeah. ready or yeah. this isn't the right, uh, uh, tool or person yeah. to, 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 to talk about it with, whatever the case may be, it's mm -hmm. okay to say, uh, it, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't right yet. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So Absolutely. I and yeah. And, and, and it's one of those things where it's just like, you kind of know, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, even if it's, am I ready for a relationship or, you know, am I ready to go back to this? I think there are certain things you just kind of know intuitively, like I'm ready mm. or mm, it doesn't feel right. Yeah. 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 And it's OK to listen to it. <laughs> and I want to get into the scars and, and, and everything. Yeah. But I have one more question about you know who you are. Who would you say is the most important influential person in your life? I'm always curious about that. That dynamic of a person's life. The most influential person. You know what's so interesting? Because now that I start to look at things as an adult and growing up, it was very different. But now I will say influential and interesting at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that that's my mom. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Because I think growing up, she and I, we used to, we were cool, but we were also butt heads a lot. And I didn't realize that we probably butt heads a little bit because we're so much alike mm. in like really wonderful ways, but also in those ways, like she's sensitive in certain ways. And I, and I am too. And it's like those little sensitivities can like, you know, growing up, Mm -hmm. When you're not trying to admit that you're sensitive, you're like, whatever, I'm fine. Why are you, you know, all of this stuff. Like, it's, yeah. So, but I, I look at a mother's love. Mm. And I am astounded, honestly. A mother's love, a mother's sacrifice. Yeah. Um, showing up whenever... She's called on whenever I need her. And I'm just like, how do you love me this much? Like I talk about her in my stand-up so much. And it's just like, like you're just support, like she's even supportive of me being a comedian. I even said that. And it's just like, whose mom is supportive of that? It's like, go on out there and don't make no money for the next 15 years. That's fine. <laughs> I support you. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like, so, so, yeah, it's one of those situations where I am, she's my biggest supporter, and 
even though I know seeing my journey with my scars was incredibly difficult for her. Mm-hmm. Well, but she didn't fully even really let me know. It was just, I'm here for you. And she encouraged me throughout the whole process. That's great. That's great. Yeah. So she had that, you had that foundation right yeah. there, you know? Uh, so let's, let's talk about the scar. You, yeah. you wrote a transparent, revealing and inspiring book. I've got scars, baby. Yes. Did I say it right? Did yes, I, okay. you sure did. I got scars. You gotta put that baby, baby on it. Okay. There you go. I got you scars, put the baby, baby on there. Yes. Yes. <laughs> How to embrace your scars and empower your purpose, um, and 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 as you mentioned, the song "Scars." So you've you've invested mm-hmm. so much into into to to this uh, in this journey. Um, talk to us about the backstory about these scars that you have that you've unapologetically stopped hiding. Um, which I'm so proud of you for. Um, tell us about yeah. the journey to where you are now. So um, I was burned at 18 months old. Mm. Had six surgeries between the ages of two and 16. And I didn't look at myself in the mirror until I was 25 because I didn't want to see my scars. Stop right there for a second. <laughs> you did not look. Now, you you mean literally or just like, you tried not to look in the mirror until you were 25. Anything neck down, chest, shoulder area, neck area where my scars are, Mm -hmm. I avoided looking at. So I could look at my face because I didn't have scars on my face. Okay. But looking at myself, getting out of the shower, bypassing the mirror in the bathroom, I would completely bypass the mirror, avoid it at all costs, go into my room, put on my pajamas, and then I would go brush my teeth or look in the mirror after after that. So um, any clothing that I would wear, it all had to cover my scars. Uh, Like I say in the book, I would wear a turtleneck in 80 degree weather Mm. and risk heat stroke to cover my scars. Um, if I had a shirt on and for some reason it came down a little bit and showed maybe, maybe the very tip of my scar, I'm tugging on it all the time. Uh, so yeah, I avoided looking at all costs. Wow. Yeah. And so what was it like when you were a child, I know you avoided seeing it, but being out mm-hmm. among friends, playing with, with whether it's cousins or classmates or what have you, what was it like, that part of it? Because it's one thing to, to struggle with it when you're alone. Yeah. Um, there's a certain comfort level you, you can have because um, you know it's there, you know where it is, so you can maneuver around the mirror and stuff like that. But when you're out and about with, with, with friends, and sometimes mm-hmm. when you can be playing and just forget about it. Tell us about those experiences as a kid, as a child. Um, I don't, to be honest, well, I'll, I'll share this first because the first thing that came to mind was I never forgot about it. Okay. That was not the case. Um, I'll, but the first time, and I talk about this in the book, is when I was three years old. I was in ballet class and that was the first time that I was really, cause we had to wear unitards. Okay. So a unitard is, a, is, you know, a scoop neck. So you can see my chest. 
this is my first time in front of kids. You know, everybody else, my mom, my grandma, my dad, they'd already seen it. You know, doctors or nurses at the hospital, they'd seen it. But I'd never been around my peers. Mm-hmm. And so the first time, because I'm wearing this unitard, uh, that's when I started getting attention. And uh, so I had kids pointing, asking me questions. What happened to you? What's that? You know, all of that stuff. Everybody, you know, kids are inquisitive. They want to know. And But as a three, as a little kid yourself, you know, you're just trying to fit in. So I was just like, whoa. And so I'm in ballet class and I, I, I just want to focus on doing ballet. But I can see and feel eyes on me. Mm-hmm. And so I asked my ballet teacher or I had my mom ask her if I can wear a T-shirt over my unitard. And she said no. So I wound up quitting ballet class. Wow. Yeah. Did, that, so was that, that, was that Was that something you wanted? You, you said, mommy, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I just, I didn't, I didn't want to feel that anymore. Yeah. I just wanted to fit in. And so I think that was really kind of my introduction into you know, socializing with other people. And so I think that was probably the thing that said, okay, well, hide. Because mm. that was the first thing I thought about was, oh, well, let me just hide it with the t-shirt and then I'll be fine. But because I couldn't do that, I was like, well, I can do that in my normal life. So that's just kind of what I started doing, hiding. Mm. Yeah. Were there other experiences similar to that growing up? Or did, were you that good at hiding to where you never had to experience that anymore? Um, huh. I recall um, you could still kind of see the scar on my neck. Mm-hmm. And when I was in the theater group that I absolutely love, totally love them, but we used to, we used to cap on each other. So the concept of like playing dozens and yeah, yeah, all yeah. of that. Yeah. And I would get my licks in to talk about people. <laughs> so I don't want to make it seem like I was just completely innocent. Yeah. But when you have a, you know, people can still see the scar on my neck. Or like I said, if, if my t-shirt happened to come down a little tiny bit, you can kind of see the scar on my chest a little bit. And so, yeah, they had, they was capping on me with that. And so, how did it make you feel? Um, I knew it was all in jest mm-hmm. in, in those, in that kind of scenario, because I knew they loved me as a person and we were actual friends, but it still is one of those situations where you wish you didn't have your scar, you know, I mean, they, they weren't playing around. Oh, we don't, the said, we, okay. but you know, we don't play. I'm, I don't no, care what city, play. I don't care what city. In the black okay. community, you called it Cap'n. We called it Jinxon. Oh, okay. We called okay. it Jinxon. And let me tell you, <laughs> people no end, can right? be brutal. Oh, yeah. To where I you mean, don't, you not, ain't want to play. You're like, nah, I'm, I'm cool. Exactly. Like, <laughs> but, yeah. It, and it's like it, it it builds some some tough skin. You know what I'm saying? You got to have some thick skin in the sense. But, yeah. So that is what I experienced kind of growing up. But really... The parts 
it wasn't so much about did other people see it. It was more about the lengths I went and the my desire to just be a normal girl, so to speak. And you know, as a as a young girl, you, by the time you're like twelve years old, you're starting to get you know, got to get a little shape and. All the girls are starting to wear, you know, V-neck shirts, V-neck shirts, all that kind of stuff and looking cute. And I was like, I can't look cute. Mm. I don't have cleavage. I can't look like them. I'm Mm. not beautiful. Mm. And so I, you know, at 10 years old, you can wear, you know, T-shirts. That's fine. You're 10, you're nine. You can wear T-shirts. You don't have to be cute. But at 13, 14... You want to wear a tank top. Yeah. But it's like, my body doesn't look like theirs. I can't wear that. So everything I went, so shopping wasn't necessarily just for fun. It was more functional. Mm. You see what I'm saying? It's like, oh, I see that cute top. Let me grab it. No, it was, okay, I see that top, but does it have cap sleeves? Does it come, does it go all the way up to my neck? Does it, you see what I'm saying? Like, even with, yeah, like, even if you think about prom, like, I wasn't excited about prom, not for real. It was brought me some anxiety, honestly, because I was like, where am I going to find a dress? Oh my God. Like, all the girls were like, oh my God, my colors are this. And this is like 10th grade. They're talking about senior prom, you know, but I'm like, okay, um, how am I going to figure this out? And I had my cousin to make me a dress to cover my scars. Mm. I had to have it made, which I mean, you know, thank God it could, but it was one of those situations where that was, it It, it was anxiety inducing. Yeah. Yeah. As I'm listening to you, I, I'm imagining how draining, yeah. how tiring that can be. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm thinking about anyone who's listening who may not have physical scars, but they have emotional scars, like deep emotional scars that for a lot of time, for a lot of people can can seem like they're visible. Like everyone can see yeah. how I feel, right? Yeah. And how many of us go to that length, that extent to hide? Yeah. And and honestly that's why I wrote the book and I have kind of moved forward with this platform is because if I'm being honest with you, I am not the face of the burn community mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I, I have what they call hidden scars. Mm-hmm. So technically I have, you know, it can be considered a privilege to be able to hide my scars. Mm-hmm. There are some who have facial scars their extremities are burned and a lot of people, you know, they may face discrimination because of those things. Mm -hmm. So I don't represent, I can't represent the bird community in that regard, Mm -hmm. but what I can and and what I feel like is my place is as a person with hidden scars is to talk to people who have hidden scars, who have experienced those things where something happened to them when they were six years old, something happened where they were 10 They went through a divorce that still they're not over. You see what I'm saying? And so they're carrying that energy with them throughout their daily lives. And they're hiding from it. They're hiding from the pain. Mm -hmm. They're hiding from, you know, they're trying to uh, cover the trauma. 
And so, so that's really the demographic I want to speak to. Um, so yeah, it's definitely, it's not just about a physical scar because, you know, for all intents and purposes, if I didn't want you to know I was a bird survivor, you wouldn't know. Yeah. But you know, I, I, and I'm, I'm sure I'm, I know you're not doing this. I just want to yeah. affirm you as a, as a friend, don't minimize just because you, you're not the face of the burned, you know, community yeah. to not minimize it. Cause this happened to you when oh, you were yeah. 18 months. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, so you, you're, I love that you are able to embrace that, you know, this can be a metaphor beyond the, the, those who have these these physical scars now have you had conversations with people in that community oh yeah okay. oh yeah so um the wonderful thing is uh when i wrote the song scars i wanted first of all i never called myself a burn survivor okay i'd never used that term before 2018 and because i always just said oh i got burned when i was a baby i got burned when i was a baby like that's just the extent of it for me. And so I wound up connecting with some burnt organizations and met some amazing people. I went and performed uh, my song Scars at Children's Hospital of Michigan. That's where I actually had my surgeries growing up. That was always a dream of mine. And I actually met my burn twin. And so she and I actually were scarred very similarly. Wow. And so it was just one of the, at, at the same age and everything. And so it was just amazing to connect with other people who had a similar experience. Yeah. So, so yeah, I was definitely able to, to connect and to talk about, you know, kind of share, share my experience. Um, and, and some people do have hidden scars and they're in the burn community and some people have very, have visible scars. And yeah, it's, it's very interesting when we share our stories and I've had, you know, burn survivors on my podcast as well. And so it's just amazing how similar some of the stories are and then also how different some can be because everybody was injured differently, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Man. Um, I, I actually lost my train. I thought I was going to ask you another question, um, but I'll go to this. When I met you, I would have no clue. I think I think I may have seen like like you said the tip, or, mm -hmm, or, or mm -hmm. a, a little bit of it, but I wouldn't have known the extent of it until later. Yeah. But one thing I could say is, I don't know if it was. I don't know if by that time, there there was nothing that made me think you weren't confident, <laughs> <laughs> that you weren't sure of yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I never saw that. So I'm curious as you, as we shift a little bit to talk about the, the, the journey of healing and the journey of coming out of the, the, the hiding and, and, mm -hmm. and stepping into embracing it and, 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 and showing those scars. Um, I'm, I'm wondering how, how well were you hiding the insecurities? How well were you hiding the, the, the shame of it, especially later on in life? Um, can you talk about that? Because you were still kind of hiding, I guess, the, the physical scars, but were you also hiding the stuff that was going on in your head and the emotions? Because, again, I saw confident. I saw, you know, beautiful. I saw sure of herself. 
Like, I'm here. Wow. Well, right? look at that. That's what I saw. Um, cause I'm trying to think when you and I, how old was I? Because I was about 15, 15 to, it was 05, 06. I think it was like 05. Okay. So at 25 is when I actually had kind of my revelation. Okay. And so the confidence, if you've only seen, if at that point in time you had only seen the tip, that means I was still hiding. Okay. So, um, yeah, so 25 years old, I had a, a revelation. I felt like, you know, I've always been the kind of person, I've always been creative. I've always been the kind of person that wanted to encourage people. I knew I was an encourager, you know, that that's just, yeah. Like I was the kind of person that people would come to for advice and, and all of that. And so I enjoyed it. Um, but at 25 years old, I felt like God just like whispered in my ear, like Audra, everybody has scars. Some on the outside, some on the inside. And that blew my mind, hmm. if I'm being honest with you. Uh, it blew my mind. And so I, and that's actually what started my healing journey. But there was also another part of that. And the other part of that was, I said, okay, God, well, all right then. Well, let me go do my thing. All right, everybody got stars. All right, let's get out here in these streets and talk about let's just do what we gonna do. Okay, I was ready, okay? Uh-huh. And then I feel like in the next moment, God was like, so I know you're trying to encourage everybody and everything, but how are you gonna encourage anybody if you won't even look at your stuff in the mirror? Mm. Right? That's what I said. I was like, touche, God, okay. That's exactly... <sighs> I was like, wow, okay. I couldn't argue with that. And I will argue <laughs> if I can, okay? So that's when I had to start looking in the mirror. Mm. And it was a six-month process of me glancing and looking away after I get out of the shower. My chest was a little bit easier for me to kind of digest because it was more flat. Um, but my shoulder, not so much. It was puffier because, you know, I keloid, so it was just like, eh, mm-hmm. I don't like it. But I had to look at it. And it was not easy. And the thing about when you're not, when you haven't accepted yourself, you haven't looked at yourself, it affects other relationships. I have boyfriends, you know, before that time but and i talk about this in the book and i was like well making out with me was like playing a game of twister you could kiss here but not here you kiss here but not here you know what i'm saying (laughs) it was that kind of a thing like so intimacy and closeness and all of that was terrifying for me wow i had a boyfriend, so he was so excited. I gave him a birthday gift. He loved it so much. He he kissed the tip of my scar. He pulled my shirt down a little bit and kissed the tip of my scar. And I felt like he was molesting me. Mm. That's what it felt like. And I'd never been molested before, but it was one of those situations where I was like, this has got to be what that feels like. I want to get out of here. I was frozen solid. I was like, this is the most uncomfortable thing and 
So when you say kind of you, you appeared confident, that's the stuff. I think that it's very easy to move about on the surface of life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But intimacy, mm, preach, closeness, that's the scariest thing in the world. Yes. You see what I'm saying? Yes. And there's no freedom. I was not free. I wasn't. And and while you can smile, you can kiki and laugh with people, you can run around, you can go to work, you can make money, you can, I mean, you can do whatever. But intimacy? Getting close to someone, letting people see the parts of you that you don't really want to see. That's a whole other level of freedom and power. Mm-hmm. And I, I wasn't that I didn't I didn't have that at 25 years old. I had to work toward that yeah, starting yeah. at that time. Yeah. yeah. Man, I hope y'all listening. Rewind and listen again, <laughs> because when she says that this is her her she kind of represents a metaphor and maybe that's my words. I hope people, cause I keep hearing about both. I keep hearing the physical and the invisible scars that listeners may be having, but what you're saying applies to it all. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And Absolutely. Um, I love what you said that the intimacy implies a, a level of freedom and power. Yeah. Right. But you have to be vulnerable. You have to be vulnerable. You have to be vulnerable because when you are out there, when somebody's looking at my scars, somebody looking at the part of my body that I'm like, I don't even like seeing that. Somebody looking at the part of your life that you're like, I'm not comfortable with that. Makes you feel nuts. It's unnerving. And I think that we avoid the unnerving part of it as much as possible. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Like we'll tap dance around that thing. Yeah. But any type of connection, real authentic connection, love, like whatever that is, it requires vulnerability. Yeah. But nah, I wasn't about that. No. (laughs) Let me ask you this. You talk about (laughs) it impacts relationships. How about your relationship with God? Did it impact that intimacy? Or no? Yeah, I do believe so. And I asked that question. I I asked that uh question because a lot of people, a lot of times, that may be the only safe space for people. Like we don't have a problem. At least we don't think we have a problem with intimacy with God. But I think that there's always there's generally a correlation when we can't be intimate with 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 friends or 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 loved ones or lovers. That mm-hmm. there is a correlation to a lack of intimacy or limited intimacy with God. And I wonder yeah. if, if if that happened with you as well. Yes, I believe so. I always felt like I wanted to be perfect for God, mm. if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. I want to do all the right things. Okay, so I'm not gonna do A, B, C, D, E, F, or G, because I feel like that's not what I'm supposed to do. Um okay so but then I felt that I was super far away from me and I'm just trying to be okay I'm trying to be pleasing I'm trying to be and it wasn't about being it it wasn't about oh I just am that 
oh, I'm just loved just because I'm here. It was, I got to work for this. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, and, and so it's, uh, I guess I have to share this because it, it kind of illustrates my point to a certain extent in, in multiple ways. Um, and I talk about this in the book, but so I was abstinent for 12 years. I was abstinent for 12 years and I felt like that, okay, ha, all right, God, we got this. Oh yeah, that was like my badge of honor, okay? Like 12 years, like, oh, I'm straight. I'm not about to do none of this, blah, 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 because this is my spiritual stance, right? Spiritually, this is why I'm not doing this. Let me make sure <laughs> yeah. that I am clear when I say that that's what it was supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 10 years in to, to that, I realized I wasn't doing this for God. I was doing this because I was terrified. Mm. This gave me distance. Yeah. And not saying that I was about to be out, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I felt like, you know, so it wasn't about that. It wasn't that I, I've always felt like, you know, sex is a big deal and you just don't do, you know, but it, I, I still was not, your intention is everything. Mm -hmm. The deeper meaning is everything. Mm -hmm. And so at 10 years in, I was like, oh, so I'm really terrified of being close to someone and I'm using God to hide behind me mm -hmm. being fearful Mm. of being close of being intimate letting someone see me in any type of way of being hurt again yeah and so i think you know not saying it has to be demonstrated in abstinence or anything like that but i think it is possible to hide behind oh i'm not doing this because of god is that really what's going on? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, no, I'm not. Mm, God said it ain't time. Mm, is it really yeah. that God said, no, it's not that time? Or is it because you're terrified? Yeah. Yeah. And I think we have to be honest with ourselves. And hopefully it takes less than 10 years for somebody to be honest with themselves about something. But really ask yourself, in this situation, what is it really? Because you, you can have the desires of your heart. You'll get that. Mm -hmm. But if you're terrified of what may happen with that particular desire that you're looking for, the vulnerability that comes with that desire, mm. you're going to run away from it. Yeah. Yeah. You preaching. Yeah. You preaching. You know, <laughs> you're preaching. Right there. Well, but before I before I ask this next question, I just wanted mm -hmm. to, you know, I just either take it as affirming you as a friend and those who are listening as well. Um, scars, I've learned, are proof of wounds and healing. Yes. And because and you, 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 you sit before me. Yeah. And you talk, we're, we're having this conversation and I. I see I, you are that example of your mm -hmm. scars are an example of wounds, 18 months mm -hmm. and healing. 
I got Scar's baby book coming out, that's out. And we'll talk about yeah. that in a second. Yeah. Um, but it's also scars. I want people to understand that scars are evidence of new life. Yeah. Trustworthiness. I don't yeah. know if I trust somebody that ain't got scars, some type of scars, physical or mental, mm-hmm. emotional. I need to see you. You've been through something. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because right? that's just what life yeah. is. Right. But yeah. I, th- I think about Thomas in scripture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He needed to see the scars mm-hmm. in Jesus's hands. Mm-hmm. Not just see them. He needed to touch them. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then he said, then then he'll believe. And so I want people to 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 walk away with this understanding of scars and, and this purpose. And you are an example of that, that it's not scars are not about shame. Uh-oh. You're less than bad person, whatever. Mm-hmm. Scars represent both the wound and and the healing they represent new life they represent trustworthiness if we were to draw from thomas interaction with jesus there's something in that yeah i want to touch his scars and i want to see it and touch it then i'll believe yeah you know it's interesting and i'm glad you're you're talking about that and i just got a reminder of that on saturday okay and you can see it right here. So y'all can't see it. Whoever's listening, you can't see it, but I'll talk about it. <laughs> so on Saturday, t- two days ago, <laughs> I was steaming my face and some boiling hot water hit my lip. And my skin is pretty sensitive. And so it hit my lip and the top layer of skin came off. Mm. And I was like, oh, my God, what the heck? You know, like, I can't be burning myself again. Lord, I already got the (laughs) testimony from when I was 18 months. Oh, God, come on. Okay. (laughs) Like, I was having that whole thing going on. But but what that actually did, especially as I'm preparing for this interview, is I got to see the healing process happen. And what happened immediately after the skin came off is you know i'm rinsing it off all of that but then this other like fluid from my body just started coming out onto my onto the wound Mm. and then you know i put my peroxide on there you know i'm keeping it clean and all that some good stuff and then i'm like okay this stuff is still coming out that's interesting then the next day you see a scab come. And what happens with a scab? There's healing being done mm-hmm. underneath that. Mm-hmm. And I could feel the healing happening underneath that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait a minute, God. Like, so inside, like our bodies are naturally repairing themselves. Built for it. Like, like, wait a minute. This 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 scab is ugly. Let me be honest. Dude, I was like, child, I don't know. Can't nobody see me like this. But the scab, it looks terrible. But underneath that, there's a new layer of fresh skin that is happening. And I'm still in the process of healing. But I'm looking at my skin and I get to see this process right before my eyes. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. This is amazing. And so 
when I think about this, this concept of scars and I think about how our bodies were made to heal, it is not just a physical thing. Mentally, emotionally, we were still made to heal spiritually. We're still designed to heal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All the things that we experience, they're not designed to destroy you. Because I truly believe the scars make you beautiful. Mm. And why do I say that? It might sound so weird. But like, if I hadn't had the scars, if I hadn't had the experience of feeling like an outcast, if I hadn't had the experience of being pointed at and asked all the questions and, you know, not feeling beautiful, would I be the same type of person? Would I be able to look at someone else and say, man, you know, I understand why they might feel that way. Mm -hmm. It just opens you up to being a more, for me, more compassionate, more compassionate toward other people. Mm -hmm. Being able to say like, okay, nobody's perfect. Like I was trying to be perfect for God and God was like, but you are you're amazing i made you mm -hmm. scars and all that was an experience for you but not it wasn't to destroy you mm -hmm. and so i think that's the thing is that had i not had that experience then i can't actually share my story with other burn survivors and talk to them which i recently did someone who just got burned with a couple months ago and they're like how am i going to do this yeah and I share my story and I share my story because I don't want people to wait 25 years to look at themselves. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? And so I just say all that to say that whatever the scars experience that you're going through, it's teaching some stuff and there is work being done underneath the underneath that scab that scab is there mm. you got that stuff going on but it's some work being done underneath there and when that scab comes off there's a new freshness but you don't have to stay with scab on that's not supposed <laughs> to last forever okay exactly because i didn't have mine uh, i was <laughs> scabbing it for 25 years okay but we don't have to do that you know what i'm saying allow people to see you yeah and so so yeah so that was just interesting that this happened to happen right before exactly. this I, I got I got to ask about the book. You 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 put it all out there and you talk about vulnerability. Um, yeah. You you have to be vulnerable. Uh, yeah, I, I remember when I wrote my uh, open wounds. Yeah. There's a yeah. you, you don't know how people are going to take it. You, you wonder should I have said this? Should I have said that? Yeah. Um, but I see it as a way of uh, cleaning out scar tissue. Yeah, I think about my surgery yeah. in college when I had torn, like slightly torn a ligament. They had to go in, so it was a bit mm. invasive, not too invasive, but they had to go inside my knee and clean out the scar tissue mm. the, 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 that was still lingering from the tear, yeah. Yeah. right? And that would repair it. And healing, I could, I can get back to somewhat of a hundred percent. Yeah, and so I think that the same way, writing the book. It's a bit. Yeah. It's a bit uh, invasive. Yes. There's vulnerability. Yeah. But once you put it out there, it can lead to even more healing and wholeness for you. You know, it being it being your story. 
So tell us about the process. Cause you just mentioned um, you don't want people to wait 25 years to see themselves. That's part of the purpose behind the book, but tell us about the mm -hmm. process of writing it. So um, I started writing the book in 2018 and I wanted it to be back to my, I love to encourage people. I just want people to feel encouraged. <laughs> I just want, I wanted to write a pamphlet version. I'm gonna be honest with you. <laughs> I wanted to be like, and then here's a little tiny piece of my story. And then I had got burnt and then a whole, but like, here's, here's how you do your thing. And I wanted to just, I wanted to be more of a workbook, but I'm only sharing a little tiny bit of my story. Mm -hmm. And the publishers was like, nah, you got to tell your story. People need to know the full story. Mm. And I was like, oh, but I don't, I don't know about that. No. And so I had to go in and rewrite. And rewrite in a way where it said no. You need to go in word and tell the whole truth, even the stuff that you don't want to see or talk about or recall. Mm -hmm. And that's that a lot of that is what it is. And then there are new things that I discovered because I had to ask, you know, I asked my siblings about some things because my dad uh, passed away, uh, several years ago before I started writing, you know, writing. And so I was under my dad's care when I got burned. And so that, that was a part of, you know, sharing the story and, you know, recalling certain things and hearing stuff like, oh, I didn't know. Oh, I didn't know he felt that way. Oh, I didn't know this. So a lot of things were new. I got new information that I had no idea about. And then I got, I had to look at my and say, oh, maybe some of the things that you really wanted to do, you hadn't done yet because you still had such a difficult time showing yourself to the world and being open and honest. And, and so, yeah, I had to come to terms. It, it was, it was a process. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm glad you did. I think, <laughs> I think the world is better for it. I think this is the beginning of your the next phase of your journey, which is that empowering others and, yeah. and, and helping people to see themselves. Cause I, I learned so much about you, but from you in, in this conversation about, I don't know if we can fully be seen until we fully see in the mirror. Ooh, you better come on now. You know what I'm saying? Um, for me, yeah. it's not so much physical scars as much as it, it is emotional scars yeah. from my childhood, right? Yeah. And I don't know if I fully saw myself, I hid mm -hmm. behind basketball and my athleticism. That was my cover up. Mm -hmm. And so people who think they know me from back in the day, I tell them now, like who I am now is who I've always really been. But yeah. I hid behind basketball and all that came with that because I wasn't fully seeing myself or appreciating mm -hmm. who I was because of my hidden insecurities. So I can go on, I can riff just from and being inspired by what you said. I was trying to take it in and, and make it apply to me, right? Yeah. 
But I, I'm so grateful for what you shared, um, your vulnerability. Um, like I said, I've known you since 0506 from yeah. Brush Fire. And actually, yeah. I, I think in mm -hmm. Brush Fire was where you first or one of the first times where you actually Show some, yeah, yeah I think probably around that time, yeah, like like oh six oh seven, probably oh six oh seven ish, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I wound up buying shirts that were like V neck shirts, yeah. I yeah, as you were talking, I'm like, man, I remember. I think I remember, and I didn't yeah. want to say you did that and, and and be wrong. We did wrong, loud yeah. and wrong, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I remember you having this. In, in, a, in the Bible study, Brush Fire, for those who don't know, I, I co-led a Bible study with several guys and um, friends of mine. And um, it was Friday night. We, we can so we can have a whole podcast about br Brush Fire. Friday right? night, yes. Faithful Central. We go until 11, 12 o'clock at night. Yes. And we had a community that I haven't had a church experience like that since. Yeah, it and, was really amazing. Very yeah. powerful. And I, re I think I remember you sharing and showing your scars and it did it wasn't for me it wasn't like ooh, like wow it wasn't like that it was yeah. like wow she this is big for her yeah I wasn't turned off out of scars at all yeah but I was I was blown away by your vulnerability um mm -hmm. then so to see yeah. where you are now and to write a song about it a dope song about it <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. so before we go, tell us where we yeah. can where where people can get the book and and and, and about mm -hmm. your songs. I know your songs go to Apple Music and and get it, but you tell them about your your book yeah. and where we can get that. Yes, yeah, so if you would like, uh, you can go to audrebryant.com/store if you want to get like a autographed copy or anything like that. Uh, you can go to audrebryant.com/store or just go to Amazon, look up I've Got Scars Baby, and you can find it there. Um, and yeah, that's where you can find it. And all the music, just go to my website. You can, it'll, it'll be, or just, yeah, Apple iTunes, whatnot. Just look up Audra Bryant and stars. It'll come up. You can see my music video just on YouTube, Audra Bryant stars. And you can see the, that was that, that music video was huge for me. Mm. It was huge for me personally, because it was really like, even I wore some shorts in that thing. And now, you know, you have hid yourself for a long time. You a conservative person. If your mom was like, yes, go on out there and show some thigh. I was like, mama, <laughs> Lord, do I, do I cover myself all the time? Girl, go on out there, I, you know. So and my mom's conservative, but she like, look girl, That's get funny. it together. So. It was really a, it was really a video um, where I, I really am showing my scars to the world. And, and I just, I did that because if, if there's somebody out there hiding in any type of way, I just encourage you to, to embrace you fully and, and trust that people are going, they're going to get it and they're going to love it. Mm. They, more people Everybody else was okay with my scars except for me. Mm. That's what I'm trying to say. And so I finally got on board. Wow. With what already was. Wow. Yeah.
Amazing, <laughs> amazing, amazing. Thank you so much, Audra, for, again, you for your so heart, welcome. your vulnerability. You. Um, and you all, I hope you listen to this multiple times. Send this to someone who you think can connect with her, her story. Um, huge blessing for me. Uh, I appreciate you and God bless you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. I'm grateful for you listening to this episode. I hope you are inspired by this conversation. Once again, thank you for listening and parking with me at the intersections.